The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the best of talk of champions brought to you by Modern Woodman. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line, Andrew Ritter, former Ole Miss kicker. He's on the road. He's a busy man. What you doing now, Andrew? How you been? Hey, I'm good, Ben. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm, I live in Jackson. Been married now for five years and I got a little baby girl. Uh, she's five and a half months old so uh man life is good i work for a bucket machinery um out of jackson i do outside sales so i just burn up the roads man so i appreciate you bringing me on the line and uh and it's a good time for me as i'm on the road man thanks for having me it's funny i'm a dad of girls too it's a different world oh man i i can tell you know i my father-in-law always told me um he said you know, he, he always wanted to have a girl because his, his mom had told him that a son will grow up and he leaves and goes and marries off, and but a daughter will always be daddy's girl. So I remember that just resonated with me. I was like, man, I really want to have a little girl. And uh, the Lord blessed us, and we have a healthy baby girl, and it has lived up to the expectations. I mean, that girl has me wrapped around her finger already, and I can't imagine how much worse it's going to get as she just continues to get older and get more personality. So we're we're very blessed, man. She's awesome. I wanted two girls. That was my plan. Two girls, I'm good, I'm done. But now my oldest is going to turn seven in September. My youngest turned three in June. 
And all I can think to myself is, man, I really want a boy. It doesn't seem that long ago you were kicking a field goal against LSU in 2013, and yet now you're married off, you're working, you got a baby girl. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, life has definitely changed a whole lot, and it's hard to believe that was uh, almost six years ago. So time is flying by, but things have turned out you know, well for, for us, and, and we're, we're blessed. And we miss, uh, definitely miss football and, and, and miss you know, being able to play and, and miss being able to be in those pressure situations like that. But I tell you what, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to go through Paul Jackson workouts anymore. <laughs> I, I, I really am. He, he, is, uh, he is good at getting you in shape. There's no question about it. So how often are you approached and talked to about football? Does that still happen for you? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. Um, my first few years out of college, it was just nonstop, uh, you know, and it still is with certain folks. Um, you know, a lot of the times it gets brought up, especially if I'm being introduced to somebody, it's just kind of a, ends up becoming a topic of conversation. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I chose to live in Mississippi. You know, it's my home. Um, I'm proud to be from here. Uh, I'm proud to have gone to Ole Miss and, and played at Ole Miss, so I, I just I love it. I love being able to talk about it. You know, football is just in everybody's blood down here, so it doesn't matter if it's a Ole Miss fan or a State fan or, or whoever. Um, we all have a common ground to be able to talk football, so it's 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 a fun conversation piece. There's no question, but it, people definitely don't talk about it as much as they used to. You know, they they can forget about you pretty quick. So, but I tell you what, Ben, I'm glad that kick went in. Um, I'd probably live in Alaska. I'd be as far away from football as possible. So I'm thankful to the good Lord that it went in and I can have a positive conversation about football. How the hell y'all beat that team? It goes beyond me. They had Zach Mettenberger. Oh, my God. Jeremy Hill, Jarvis Landry, ODB. I think Ole Miss had a number of starters out on defense. You had some freshmen and sophomores playing, hadn't played all year. Um, And then it came down to the kick. How did y'all beat that team? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and uh, you know we were we were just extremely motivated. Those kids came into that game. You know, we had like seven starters down on the defense, and so you got these young guys coming in and, and having to step up against, especially in the defensive backfield. They're having to come in and and guard Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, two of the top receivers in the NFL, and may end up being two of the top receivers of all time. Um, they're having to cover these guys, and so. Our guys just were out there. They were motivated. They weren't scared. I mean, they just played their their guts out. And they went three. We picked off Zach Mettenberger three times. You know, Bo Wallace played an unbelievable game. I mean, that last drive, I'll never forget. It was like third and twelve or third and fourteen, and Bo hits Jamez Logan to convert. Um, you know, I just so many kids stepped up in that game and made huge plays. Um, especially on the defensive side of the football. And then the offense leading down the field on that last drive, uh, you know, Ben, it was just kind of one of those deals where you dream of having that situation and being in that circumstance of being able to kick a – have an opportunity to kick a game on a field goal. But, um, you know, the thought process going through my mind was like, man, I can't miss this kick. Like, aside from just beating LSU and aside from all that it would mean to me and, and, and the team and – and our fans, like, our team has played their hearts out. And our kids have played above any expectation probably anybody would have ever had for them. And so if I had messed that up, um, it just would have been wrong, man. I mean, it just would have been terrible. So, I, 
had some serious conversations with the good Lord as we drove down the field. And uh, I'm grateful that uh, that he blessed me and it went in. And I'm really grateful for our team because they deserve to win that football game. So, you know, I only had a, a small piece in that game um, and being able to kick that field goal. And I, and I made one earlier in the game and I had one blocked earlier in the game. So, you know, that I really needed to make that kick for, for that team and, and for that those fans, man. So I'm very grateful that it went in. How sweaty were the palms? How nervous were you when you were setting up for it? Man, that's a, that's a funny question. You know, I I didn't know if I was going to have a heart attack or if I was just going to pass out. I didn't know what was <laughs> going to happen. You know, the the, the, the the feeling in my body is uh, you can't replicate it. I, I really can't describe it. It was just – but in the back of my mind, it, it was everything I'd ever hoped for and dreamed of. And as a kicker, you put yourself in that position or you try to – in your head, when you're laying in the bed, when you're driving down the road, when you're in practice, you try to put yourself in that position and think of what it would be like. Um, and, and really, you know, all those thoughts I had weren't anywhere even close to what what it actually ended up being like. But it was it was just a really cool experience and um, something obviously I, I'll never ever forget and uh, you know and never uh, never not be thankful. You know, to be able to be in that kind of pressure and, and it come through, it was just it was just a huge blessing, man. It was something that I truly dreamed of as a kid, and it exceeded any expectation I could have ever had. So uh, it, it was an incredible experience. That's what I was going to say. You come from an old Miss family. You grew up like most of us did around this state uh, that grew up in old Miss families to where LSU, there was something different about beating LSU, something more special, even compared to teams like Mississippi State, who's considered the rival. So what was the celebration like afterwards? First on the field with the players and your teammates, and then secondly, in the Grove with the family. What was the celebration like? Uh, yeah, man, uh, you hit the nail on the head. So I, I grew up in, in Jackson, and my my dad and mom went to Ole Miss. My sister went to Ole Miss. My grandfather went to Ole Miss on both sides. My uh, my great grandfather was a sports writer, Carl Walters. He he covered Ole Miss, and he was uh, he dropped out of school in the eighth grade to work and help his family. But he ended up becoming a sports writer, and Ole Miss ended up giving him declaring him an honorary alumnus, I believe. So technically, he didn't graduate, but technically, I'm a fourth generation Ole Miss grad with him having that honorary alumnus status. So. You know, Ole Miss is in my DNA. It's in my blood. And, and I grew up as a kid. We would drive up Saturday mornings to Ole Miss games, me and Dad. And um, we sat with my dad's first cousin, um, who I consider to be my uncle. And, uh, man, we just – that's what we did on Saturdays. And, and I grew up seeing my dad and my grandfather and, and just hearing about the Ole Miss LSU rivalry. We didn't miss an Ole Miss LSU game. I and mean, we were going to them every year. And so I grew up as a kid early on developing this dream of wanting to play for Ole Miss. And um, I originally wanted to be a wide receiver and, you know, be like Bill Flowers and just be, you know, Mr. Consistent, catch the ball. And, uh, but I realized really quick I wasn't very fast and I couldn't jump very high. But I, fortunately, God blessed me with the gift of being able to kick a ball. So that became my dream was to kick for Ole Miss. And I – so when I laid in bed as a kid, man, I was dreaming about kicking a game winner against LSU because that's kind of what I grew up around. You know, that being our, that knowing that was our big rival, seeing that from my dad and my grandfather. So, 
man, all that was going in the back of my mind when it came into that kick of, of that being everything I'd ever hoped for and dreamed for. So when it actually happened, um, man, I immediately was just thinking about my family and, and thinking about I can't wait to see them and celebrate with them. And, you know, my mom and dad were in tears and my grandmother and grandfather were back home crying, um, you know, in front of their TV. So it was just really special. So being able to celebrate with my teammates, with the fans on the field and then go in the locker room, but then to be able to leave that environment and go, you know, get hugs from my mom and dad and, and my wife now, who's my fiance at the time, and to have voicemails from my grandmother and my grandfather. Uh, it was just, it was just incredible, you know, for us all to be able to experience that together. So it was fun. My, uh, we went back, we went straight to my house with my parents and then uh, my, my parents and my fiance at the time and our wife and, and my roommates or my teammates and their parents, we all went straight to the library. So we had a, it was one of the most incredible days of my life, but to be able to experience it with those people who had such an impact in my life, and, and uh, it, it was incredible. It just, you can't put a price tag on it. I would hope there's at least a little bit of a window to where if you walked into a bar or a restaurant in Oxford for a little bit of time that you wouldn't have to pay for a drink or a meal, that you did get hooked up. <laughs> Man, it's funny. They they don't know who kickers are or care about them. So uh, I, oh, I no. may have gotten a free meal. <laughs> I, I may have gotten a free meal or two here and there, but I, you know, it's it's nothing. I definitely don't go back now and get a free beer or a free free meal. I promise you that. We're we're paying for it wherever we go. There's no question. The life of a kicker is lonely, Andrew. <laughs> hey, I, I'm grateful for my my punters and my long snappers, man. We. We, we hang together. We hung together pretty tight. There's no question. We, we were on our own a little bit, but, man, I, well, we had a great group, so we were grateful for it. What would be your advice to Luke Logan if he were this season to come up with a kick like that, setting up and having to make a game winner? What would the advice be? Well, you know, Luke, is, he's, he's such a good kicker, man. I mean, he's, he's more talented than I, I was, and he's, um, he's got such good experience under his belt. If Luke's in that position, I have no doubt he's going to drill it. But, I mean, the only advice you, advice you can really give somebody is just to trust your fundamentals and just trust yourself and trust your team. that The snap's going to be there. The hole's going to be there. And your, your line's going to block. You know, I mean, my advice is soak up the moment. Um, understand that that's, that's something you've dreamed of as a kicker. And, and just trust in your fundamentals and that, that, that you'll hit a good ball. And, and – you know, Luke, like I said, I mean, he's just – he's a stud and he's going to have a great year. Um, he's got two more years left, so I expect him to have another two great years and to do really well for this football team. What's your relationship like with Luke? So, I don't um, – it, it's not like Luke and I talk often, but when Luke was in high school, I actually got to kick with him. Um, my, my in-laws are from Hattiesburg, so – and Luke went to PCS, so I was I would be down there with my in-laws, and we got connected, and we, we got to kick some. And man, I, I knew immediately he was uh, he was really good. I, I I was the color commentator for the JA Raiders for a few years, so when JA would play PCS, I got to watch him too and call his games. And I think he hit a 50, I think he might have hit a 57-yarder against JA or 55-yarder or something stupid, and just bombed it. And I knew immediately that kid had. Um, he had the talent to do really well at the next level. And so we don't really keep in touch, but I do see him uh, in Oxford from time to time. And 
and we visit and kind of catch up. But he, man, he's just a good kid. He's a hard worker. That's something I've always uh, seen uh, immediately when I met him. And uh, so he, man, I think he has what it takes. He, heck, he, he might even end up kicking on Sundays. He, he really, he's got that good of a leg and he's got that kind of potential. What's uh, recruiting like for kickers? I, it's not the same as a quarterback or a running back. No, you're just praying somebody calls, man. I mean, uh, the seasons go on and you're kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. And so you're just hoping and praying that the phone will ring or that you get a letter. And uh, I know some kickers out there, they end up getting scholarships from everywhere. But most, most of us just get a couple if we're lucky. Um, so – especially for a guy like Luke and for a guy like me where I think Luke was in the same boat. Both of our dreams were to kick for Ole Miss. So we um, – I remember I had some offers from some other schools, but it, it wasn't like these other kids who are just getting recruited like crazy. And a lot of these schools kind of expect you to walk on. Um, but, you know, fortunately things worked out for the both of us and we ended up going to Ole Miss. But it's not the lavish recruitment like it is for some of these kids, I promise. Yeah, how do you get noticed? Do you have to go to camps and stuff? There are a lot of kickers out there, but they operate in yeah. relative obscurity. So how do you get noticed then in recruiting? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I, my recruiting was completely non-existent until I started going to these camps. And, you know, all these other skill positions, they have, you know, little combines and seven-on-sevens and camps they can go to to get exposed and uh, – you know, we didn't really have that, but we had some some of these college camps are put on by these big kicking coaches like Chris Saylor and Cole's kicking. And, um, those guys have a tremendous network. So I think, from my experience, a lot of these coaches have relationships with Cole's kicking or Chris Saylor or these other guys that are out there, and they um, they lean on those coaches, that, those uh, kicking coaches, to find players. And so I started going to these college camps in between my junior and senior year. Me and Dad just we burn up the roads, going to uh, going to see going to kicking these camps and just trying to get somebody to notice you. And fortunately, Chris Saylor um, he noticed me and, and invited me to his top 12 camp in LA. And that's kind of when my recruiting picked up and I started getting noticed um, was because he was putting my name out there and and he put me online you know, putting my stats online, putting my video online. So that that's when it kind of took off. I'm sure it's a little different now, but I think it's still the same. You've got to go to those camps. If you don't go to those camps, nobody's going to notice you because that's where the coaches are looking to find the players. How do you ingrain yourself with the team? Uh, you're not a part of practice every single day. Y'all are off to the side kicking. So how do you yeah. ingrain yourself in the team, in the team culture, and have that relationship like everybody else we unfortunately had we had some really good teammates, man. We had some good leaders on the team, and um, we're together so much. And, and actual football practice is such a little part of it, you know. I mean, during practice, those two hours a day it was in season, two to three hours in season, is actually such a small window of all the time we actually spend together. So yeah, we go to the stadium or we go to the. IPF or the, or the practice fields, wherever the team was it so we could get away from them and, and have room to get our kicking in. Um, and we weren't getting hit and all that, which, you know, the, the, our teammates let us know that we, we, we they were well aware that we weren't getting hit all day like they were. But uh, we were going through all the workouts with the team, 
we're doing tutors with the team. We're in all the meetings um, with the team. Most of us live together. So, I mean, man, when you just spend that much time with somebody, I don't care what position you are. I don't care if you're a equipment manager or a trainer. You just form a really close bond. And uh, and I was grateful that our teammates uh, treated us very well. And really, we all got along really well. So, uh, man, it was an incredible experience. I mean, my roommate was a linebacker. Um, I hung out with all the guys in all the positions. And, you know, they knew my role was different. Uh, it was I was kicking a ball, and I knew their role was different, but they treated me like a teammate and a brother, and that's that's all I could ask for. And, and I think all my other uh, kickers, my other specialists, would probably say the exact same thing. Do kickers ever get to pick their number? No. That's a <laughs> great question, and it's something I'm very angry about, man. You think I would have picked 96, man? No, like Mac uh, Brown. Mac Brown. Um, on Wednesday was named uh, a nominee for the 2019 AFCA Good Works team, and he's wearing 96. And yeah, I went, oh, yeah. well, there's Ritter's number, so apparently they just give you all the late 90s numbers. Man, it's so funny. When I got to Ole Miss, I remember telling somebody, I knew I wouldn't get to pick my number, but I, I told people, I said, I will be fine with anything as long as it's not in the 90s. Like, I'm good with 80s. I'm good with 40s, 30s, whatever. As long as I don't get something in the 90s, I'll be fine. And our punter, Tyler Campbell, was saying the same thing. Well, we get our numbers, and I'm number 96, and he's number 97, you know. So uh, we did not get a pick. We get on to Ken Crane about that. I still have to give Ken some great, uh, some grief about it. But um, hey, once I settled in the 96, you know, I, I wasn't going to change it, and to be honest with you, Ben, man, I was just grateful to be there. So if I had to deal with a 90s number, that's the least of my worries. I was just grateful to be a part of it. If you could have picked your number, what would the number have been? Number nine. There's no question about Ooh. it. I was, uh, I was number nine in, in high school, and I just, man, that's my number. It's my lucky number. So, um, But, hey, that those days are over. On church softball, maybe I can be number nine. But uh, for the Ole Miss Rebels, I was 96. You had nine in a way. You had nine in the front, yeah, nine I upside eight, down. Nine. That's true. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Yeah, depending on the way the jersey was, if I was upside down on my back or something, you know, yeah, you're right. What kind of receiver would you have been? Man, I'm a uh, possession receiver. I, I've got some great I'm shocked. I'm shocked, the, Andrew. <laughs> throw me the fade, and I'm coming down with it. Um, at least that's the way it was. Uh, and, and that's the way I remember it, to say the least. Uh, well, that, if I went against these SEC cornerbacks, man, I, I wouldn't have stood a chance. I don't care if he's five foot seven; he's got a forty-inch vertical. And it's, I, I had a twenty-four-inch vertical. I may be six-three, six-four, but a twenty-four-inch vertical doesn't get me very far. Did you ever get to show off the receiver skills in practice with the team? Man, you don't know how much convincing we tried to do to to get something. Whether it was a you know, the holder rolling out to the left, and I'm I'm running around. Uh, the holder rolling out to the right, excuse me, and I'm running out to the left, and him putting his foot in the ground and throwing me the deep ball. And we just, for whatever reason, never could convince the coach to try it. I, don't, I mean, it obviously was not our athleticism um, that was preventing him from, from doing that. For some reason, he, he wouldn't it wouldn't allow us to try it. But we tried, man. And it never seemed to uh, convince the coach that we needed to actually try the game. I can't remember the last time Ole Miss ever really tried something daring or creative with special teams. I guess you're right. 
I don't really remember a fake. Uh, it's not one of my recollections. I mean, I, of course, I always think of when I think of fakes, I think of LSU throwing it behind, holding, throwing it over his head to Colt David and him running in against Florida, and so or throwing it through his legs to the uh, to the kicker or a direct snap to the kicker. The kickoff kicker takes off up the middle. I remember seeing those things, and, and we always dreamed of being able to try that in the game. But honestly, Ben, it's probably a good thing we never tried it. I, I guarantee you it wouldn't have fared as well. We'd like to think it would have, but I, these coaches know what they're doing a lot more than, than we did. Ole Miss football coming off a 5-7 and seven season. Now can go to a bowl, lost a lot on offense, most returning starters on defense. You're an Ole Miss fan. You pay attention to it. It's still close to your heart. What are your thoughts on Ole Miss, Matt Luke being the head coach? Can they win six games? Yeah, man. Uh, I, we definitely can win six games. It's We definitely lost a lot of talent. But, you know, I think we're going to be really well coached. I, I'm excited about Coach Luke. Really a big fan of Coach Luke. And I'm excited to see these coordinators in their roles. So we're going to have some guys um, – not, we're not going to have as much experience on the offensive side of the football. We are going to have a lot of experience on that defensive side of the ball. But I just think, man, you know, you get a, these coordinators in and Matt Luke do motivate this team the way I know he's capable of motivating them. You know, these kids really could do something special and achieve more um, than people may give them credit for. I remember when Hugh Freeze came in, man, we didn't have the talent to go win six games uh we, we definitely didn't the year before that we went two and ten we were not the most talented team at all i mean you we, we probably i mean we were probably the least talented team in the sec there's no question but you had got we were motivated we were well coached and we played above expectations and we ended up going six and six and actually ended up winning the bowl game and going seven and six so, uh, you know, I definitely think this team is capable of that. I think Matt Luke and this staff is capable of, that, of getting that out of them. And, and Paul Jackson, he's going to – Paul Jackson can change the mindset of an individual. I mean, he is incredible at what he does. I, I really think we have an opportunity to uh, exceed expectations. But, you know, these first few games are going to play a huge role in that. Starting off at Memphis, that's not a gimme. But if we can go out and win that game – um, and end up beating Arkansas after that. You know, we might end up scratching out six, man. I, I'm I'm excited to watch them this time of year. I get bored to death. I'm tired of talking football. I'm ready to actually watch it. So um, it's it's on the horizon, and it can't get here quick enough. Which team was more talented, this team or the first team of Hugh Freeze? Because that first team for Hugh Freeze, no one had any expectations whatsoever. Yeah, um, that's that's a good question. I, I think. I don't know which team's more talented or less talented. Um, I do know that we have some talented guys on this football team. You know, Coach Luke's been recruiting his tail off, and it seems to have done pretty well the last couple of years. So I expect I, – I would expect this team to be more talented than that team was. Um, I guess that was, what, seven years ago or so? God. I know, man. Time's flying. But that would be my guess. You know, time will definitely tell. Uh, but I, I'm excited, man. You know, just these coordinators, I think, are going to do a great job. And, and Matt Luke will have these boys ready to play. I mean, he he definitely will. There's no doubt about it. He's Andrew Ritter, former Ole Miss kicker. It's been a while since he's been at Ole Miss. I can't believe that. I feel really old now. But thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Fun stuff. We'll talk again. Man, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. 
You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line is David Kellum, the voice of the Rebels. Ole Miss football is back. Ole Miss Memphis on Saturday at 11 a.m. DK, what's up, man? Man, Ben, doing great. Busy week. Can't wait. Time to crank it up again, man. What year is this for you? Uh, football 31. Um, they're going by pretty fast, too. I'm shocked that it's that many, but it sure is. It'll be a 31st season um, of doing radio for football. When you look back on it, which call stands out the most? <laughs> I know one thing. If I had a dollar for everybody asked that, yep. I wouldn't have to be doing anything. I'd be retired, too, man. Having a great time on the beach somewhere. Uh, the Tebow call, I thought, when we beat them, and they went on to win the national championship, was a was a fun call. But I, I gravitate really more toward relationships with the players and coaches, and getting to hang out with the crew I hang out with and all. But um, you know, there's there's just been so many because I've done so many years, so many fun moments and uh, exciting finishes and all that. Uh, I've, I've been very fortunate to have several of those. It sounds like you've rehearsed that answer, DK. I have. Does it sound like a rehearsed answer? <laughs> well, it's true, too. It's, it's, it really is being from the heart. I mean, I, it's, and then I'll even go prep and go, oh, i got to go back and think about this game and that game. And, and we use those audio calls, you know, all the time. And the uh, university will put up a, a clip or Learfield IMG will put up a clip from some past game. And it'll, like, refresh my memory. Oh, yeah, that was a pretty good game. I, that was a pretty good call. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the key, the key is to just be in the moment and uh, make sure you, you get it right, execute it correctly. Do you know the call that I remember most when I was younger? And it's going to make you feel old, but um, I was listening to you, not watching, because not all games were on TV back then, but the 1998 Ole Miss-Auburn game, the payback game against Tuberville. I will never forget that. I was at a friend's house, and yeah. there was like a – carnival or something i can't remember that part of it that was happening in downtown new albany my friend lived down the street and when you made the call when Ole miss beat auburn and beat tubs we went running down the street like it was george and it's wonderful life you know we were screaming that Ole miss had beaten auburn and that's the Ole miss memory with dk that i remember well you know it's interesting because a lot of times it's it's the situation i mean how many Ole Miss fans, who, who, if you put some distance between it now, you really appreciate what Coach Tuberville did at Ole Miss, but you really wanted to beat him that next year so bad. 
Uh, and so that was everybody and his brother was hoping that, that we'd win that game and then uh, to pull it off uh, in the fashion that we did was pretty incredible. Ole Miss and Memphis kickoff on Saturday. What is your Ole Miss Memphis memory? And do not say the three to nothing Ole Miss win because I was there and it was terrible. <laughs> you know, I do have a story on that one though. It's kind of interesting. We did the game. I couldn't remember for the three nothing game or previous game, but the game's over. We were so anemic offensively, we just couldn't get anything done. And we do the TV show afterwards, shoot the footage, and then we go back to the uh, campus and lay the audio of the plays. And we're shooting the post game portion of it, you know, on the field at the Liberty Bowl, and everybody's gone, about to leave. And uh, Mary rode up with me, and so Coach Brewer said, "David," he said, "I want to ride with you." Okay, coach. But, you know, my wife's with me. That doesn't matter. And I said, plus, we got to go through Harmontown and pick up my two little girls. He said, that sounds like fun, too. Let's go. <laughs> and so he jumped in our little, you know, at that time, little uh, little family minivan that we had. And he jumps in and we drive. I, I can't uh, imagine you know, what was going through his head on what was such a tough game. But he just wanted to be around friendly folks, I guess. And we go to Harmontown and pick up my two daughters, and you should have seen their eyes when Coach Billy Brewer was in the car with us. They didn't know whether we won, lost, or indifferent, but uh, it was it was kind of a phoenix moment. He just wanted to ride home with a killing team. <laughs> so that was that was a tough one, uh, obviously. You know the thing with Memphis, and I don't want to say this in disrespect for Memphis, but the Ole Miss thing, you you always feel like you're supposed to win that game, you should win that game, and you're relieved when you do, and not necessarily celebrating that you won it. Well, we got through that sort of sort of the way it's been. And through the years, Memphis, uh, Ole Miss has just dominated the series overall. Of course, in, in uh, recent times, Memphis has been able to find a win here or there. And I think now you look at the, the difference between um, uh, playing it on a regular basis and having a little gap here, I'm not so sure those elements exist this year. Most people think Memphis is a better team this year and uh, you know, Ole Miss has got the chip on the shoulder as opposed to being in reverse for, for so many years. But, yeah, it's always been, I thought, a fun game. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, you get, uh, the first game of the year when there's so much heat on that particular game. And so we got that back for this rivalry this year, too. And I interviewed Coach Balk then. I know I'm rambling here, but I interviewed Coach Balk several years ago prior to a season where we opened with Memphis and this is a fun story too. Um I called Coach Vault when he was living and said, Coach, David Kellum, I wanna I wanna meet you and do an interview about the importance of, you know, the season opener and opening with Memphis. He said, Well, David, he said, You have to meet me at the golf course and I'm on my way to the golf course, but I'll do it for you when we get there. And so, okay. So I grabbed my little tape recorder and run the golf course and interviewed Coach Vault and rode with him in his golf cart. The funny part of the story is we went about three holes in on the university course, and I, I was through with the interview. He said, you through? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know how to get back to clubhouse, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I took off and walked back to the clubhouse. He wouldn't give me a ride back. But it was a precious interview. In fact, I'm going to use a clip of it uh, this weekend on our broadcast. And he basically said, uh, most important game of the year. You're hoping for no mistakes. And he said, if you lose that game, it just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth all year long. And I think that's really appropriate for any season that opens, but especially when it's a kind of a backyard rivalry like we have with Ole Miss and Memphis. That was going to be my next question. Memphis views it as a rivalry. They get up for this game. Does Ole Miss view it as a rivalry? That's a debate I have on this show all the time. 
The short answer is no. I, I, I think that irritates Memphis people maybe, but when you look at LSU and State and then really all the other SEC things that we have to deal with and you know, you've got your traditional rivalries and then you have some that crop up because of the history of, of recent games between teams. Uh, there's a lot of times I had wished through the years, though, Ben, that we did take it more seriously as a rivalry game. It just it seems like there's been times where we weren't uh, necessarily ready and thought, oh, we were going to show up, and, and that's just not the case. And especially now, this Memphis program, Coach Norvell's done a wonderful job with it. He's... Uh, you know, got his recruiting. I was looking at the different players they've got. It's more of a national recruiting flavor. Uh, they're winning more battles in Memphis in recruiting maybe than they have in the past. And it's a very good football program. So that alone may uh, make this individual game pretty interesting. But uh, as far as rivalry goes, I think Memphis probably has considered it more so than Ole Miss through the years. Because when Ole Miss – loses to Memphis that's when it matters like in 2015 37 to 24 that's when it has an impact on Ole Miss's season yeah and you rarely see when Ole Miss wins a game uh back in your face type attitude if you will you know that you might get in a uh, in a rivalry um it's just a different conversation it's a very important game and I don't think it should be minimized by, by any means but when you try to put it in the rivalry uh standpoint and even Memphis fans may say yeah it's an important game to us but you know what are your true rivalries through the years is it Ole Miss is it State is it Tennessee you've had some significant victories over those teams through the years but there's no doubt that as far as ranking rivalries opponents through the years I don't think it's obviously some of the others so what are your thoughts on Ole Miss football entering the year you know it's, it's really interesting I've been to several practices and I love what I'm I'm seeing. Uh, you know, I'm not a high dollar paid coach. Just been watching it a long, long time. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, you know some of the others that are covering probably feel the same way. There's just so much mystery. I love the talent. Uh, gosh, there's a lot of speed out there. There's good size out there, but there's so much newness involved. Uh, not only with significant younger players that are probably going to be impactful, but you've also got new offense coordinator, new defense coordinator. Yeah, they're very established and wonderful people and uh, really good at, at this football thing, if you will. But still, there's a learning curve and it's new. They're doing something they haven't done in a while. you got all of that uh, going on. Uh, and so, I don't know, there's a lot of mystery, just a ton of, of mystery going into this particular season but I'm very optimistic always you know I mean you know you're undefeated until proven otherwise um but it will be interesting to see you know is the defense going to be significantly better are we going to be um you know efficient on offense without all the um, receivers and going to maybe a little bit more of a a run game we've got some very capable guys that I think are going to step in and be very efficient in that receiving room um but you know I, I love the running backs I think we've maybe better than that slot within a while. There's some mystery on the offensive line, too. So, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be really uh, fun. There's not a whole lot of just point to uh, givens. I think, you know, the media, not uh, putting any of our kids on the all-SEC teams, speaks to that a little bit. There's going to be some guys this time next year, Ben, I think we'll go, yeah, man, what a great season he had, and he's going to be a superstar. Uh, but there's there's maybe a little bit of a void of that going into this season as we kind of wait and see who emerges. What's your favorite non-Ole Miss stadium to make a call in or to call a game in? Most of the league places are pretty cool. I love going to LSU um, just because of the atmosphere and 
the flip side of what we've been talking about with some of the non-conference stuff with the Memphis or somebody else, when you are successful and win in Baton Rouge, it's like one of the greatest feelings in the world, as you well know, as a long-time person around this particular program. So I, I really I like what you get at LSU. I think it's really, really cool. Um, there's others. Tennessee in the day when it was really rolling uh, with 100,000-plus and just incredibly uh, impressive when you would go into that stadium. South Carolina may have one of the best atmospheres of anybody. We don't play them as often, but that stadium moves and rocks, and you know they, they do the space odyssey thing, and it's, it's really cool. We've, we've got several venues that are extremely fun. And I'll be honest with you, when Texas A&M came into the league, we went into that going, what's it going to be like here? And the pageantry and all that's involved there is uh, pretty impressive, too. You've been doing this since the 80s. Do you still get the same type of excitement when a football season rolls around? You know, I do. And uh, I told my wife a few years ago, you know, I'm still – retirement for me is still down the road. I think the number of years has everybody thinking, I wonder when he's going to retire. But uh, I just turned 60, uh, which is an, uh, an older age. And I've been even saying I'm 59 plus, but uh, still a lot of energy. Uh, love what I do. Tremendous passion. For what I do, if that starts to wane, you know, then then you got to really consider because it's a grind. You got to consider should I continue to do this, yeah or no? Uh, but no, I'm still full throttle. Love what I do. Uh, love bringing energy to the to the broadcast and all. And I'll say this much: when you get to the end of baseball season, I'm a little bit more worn out than I used to be. It's like too much ice cream, you know. Uh, and so I, I look forward to my breaks, like the day after the baseball season ends. If it ends. Uh, kind of abruptly, and I, I wish it kept going. I'm kind of depressed the next day. Then the following day, I'm like, wow, I don't have to prep for a game for two months. So I enjoy my downtime too. But I love the, the prep that's involved in it. I love calling the games. I love hanging out with our crews that, that are so much fun to be with. And, uh, and just hanging out in general with, with uh, people associated with the program. Um, but, but, yeah, my passion still still burning strong. When I took your class, the hardest class I took at Ole Miss, you told me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You told me that baseball was your favorite sport to call. You've been calling that for longer than I think any other sport. Is that still your favorite? Yeah, to to a degree. There's we're splitting hairs. I love all of them. I really do. But I've done baseball for so long, and I started that uh, in 1978, and so I'm at 41 years on on baseball. I've just poured my heart and soul into it. Years and years ago, I really didn't think I'd be doing uh, baseball this long. But there came a moment when they were going to hire me to do football and basketball. A lot of announcers only do those two. And I was all prepared. I went in to visit with Warner Alford. They were about to make me the voice of the Rebels, and he wanted to meet with me. And I just had this gut feeling that Coach Alford was going to take away baseball. And I wanted to keep doing it. And there was about three or four that lead announcers doing all three. So I was going into his office ready to, you know, I can handle all three. And uh, Warner said, David, he said, listen, uh, there's two things I want you to know. One, you're not the star. (laughs) (laughs) He said, the players and the coaches are the stars. You just describe the games. I said, yes, sir, I got you. And he said, and secondly, he said, I know a lot of announcers are not doing baseball, but he said, I want you to keep doing baseball if you think you can do it. And so all that prep I did to defend myself to keep doing baseball, uh, I didn't need. He wanted me to continue to do baseball, which I was really excited to do. But 
it's a grind. There's no question it's a grind. Some people probably make it as much as I am doing only the two sports, but that's all right. I love I love the sport, uh, and you know it's been it's been fun to uh, continue to do baseball all these years. I've told you this before, but everybody tells you a lot of different things, a lot of DK memories. So I'm sure you've forgotten this. But back when I was 10 years old, Ole Miss lost to Valpo after Bryce Drew shot. I was listening to you but oh watching the game. I started sobbing. 10-year-old Ben was sobbing when this happened. and We were too, by the way, just to make you feel better. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I was so torn up about it, and I hear DK, and the sound in your voice was like, well, DK's mourning with me. Pretty much you, you're the one <laughs> yeah. that kind of kept 10-year-old Ben from just going into a complete form of utter depression. Well, and I have a running joke that goes with Keith Kessinger. Uh, of course, Keith has helped me in some basketball games, been outstanding in baseball for several years, former player, et cetera. But anytime a score pops up and Valpo loses in any sport, I just celebrate. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Keith, Keith says, David, are you ever going to get over Valpo? I said, no. And, no. Mm-hmm. They got beat today. Hey, they lost in bowling. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, ne- yeah, that was that was a tough one on that day. Never going to get over that one. That will never be one that is okay or that you can get past. It's just go- I'm going to the grave remembering how miserable that loss was. He's David Kellen, the voice of the Rebels. Ole Miss football kicks off Saturday against Memphis. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. No problem, Ben. Love what you guys do, and I uh, can't wait to get it going. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.